everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Chandelier Chats. I'm your host, Rochelle LaCour. Today, we have a wonderful guest. Her name is Kat Sharp. She is a life coach for Christian women. And today, we're going to be discussing stewardship, idolatry, and addictions. So please join me in welcoming to the show, Kat Sharp. Hi, Kat. How are you doing? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to have you here. It is such a pleasure to meet your virtual acquaintance. Kat, can you tell us what got you into being a life coach for women and where are you in this great world? Uh, well, um, my name is Kat Sharp. I live in Missouri in the United States, right smack dab in the middle. And um, I'm 43 years old. Between my husband and I, we have three adult children we have our first grandbaby on the way, like wow. how is happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I've, I've been overweight my whole life. And, you know, even as a child, you know, carried some extra weight living, you know, the Northern section of the South. We, we love our food. That's how we love on each other is with food. And so um, that's, you know, the love language of the church and the love language of the Southern woman. So I've been overweight pretty well my whole life. And as a young adult, I got married and found myself in an emotionally abusive relationship and went through a season of deep, dark depression, anxiety, and hopelessness. <clears throat> and from my, you know, being in the church and, and, you know, surrounded by good hearted Southern people, I guess internally, I had always just understood that food brought joy that food and joy were related. And so during that time of, of depression and darkness, I started binge eating and I would binge entire large pizzas and an entire large pan of brownies regularly. Like that was dinner three nights a week and eat until I was sick and do it again. Not realizing the connection between you know, the food and the joy thing. That was much, that was a revelation much, much later in life, but that's kind of what started it. And I started binge eating out of sadness and hopelessness and, and pain. Um, so fast forward several years, I find myself divorced and the heaviest weight I'd ever been and not sure how I got here. So um, shortly after my husband and I got married, we started attending church again. You know, I grew up in church, walked away for years, uh, started attending church again. And I'm a singer. I'm part of our praise team at church. And I just feel like I was made to worship my heavenly father. So got involved in the praise team and we started a recovery ministry at our church. Cool. And I signed up to help with the music. I'm helping and supporting this ministry in a way that I thought was for me. And what I didn't know was that God was preparing my heart to hear from him on the subject of addiction and idolatry and things that I was doing to my body, not realizing that I had put food in the place where I should have been seeking the Lord. So what happened was I found myself, I'll, I'll just tell you the come to Jesus moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> I loved sugar. I mean, clearly full pans of brownies. And when I was upset, I would always turn to food for comfort, right? I, I would always turn to food for comfort. And one day I, you know, I decided I'm not going to eat any more sugar. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get rid of all that stuff. And it's not going to be in the house. But one day I had a bad day and a really bad day. 
And I was very emotional and I was crying and I was like, there has to be sugar in this house. And I remember ripping open the cabinet doors and climbing into the cabinets on my stomach, pulling everything out, just throwing it out into the floor, looking for something with sugar in it. And I got to the very, very back of the cabinet, like back in the corner, you're not really sure how long it's been there, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I found a Ziploc bag with just a little bit of powdered sugar in it. Why I saved what might have been a quarter cup of powdered sugar, I have no idea, but it was in the cabinet. I pulled it out. I dumped it in a bowl. I mixed just a little bit of milk in it and made like, you know, icing glaze, essentially, you know, donut glaze. And I ate it with a spoon. Just, I mean, like, God, I didn't even taste it. It was just gone instantly. I just needed a fix. Mm -hmm. And it hit me. What have I become? How did I get here. And I sat in the floor and I sobbed. I said, God, I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I was so embarrassed. And I had this heavy cloud of shame over me about the behavior that I had just taken part of with, there was no enjoyment in that food. I literally ate it because I thought I had to have it in this emotional moment. And God used that still to this day, when I start craving something in a moment of high emotions, he brings that moment back to me. And he says, it doesn't fill you. I'm what you need. The sugar won't fill you. I'm what you need. And um, from that moment, I committed to a sugar-free life. I went three and a half years without any added sugar in any foods or drinks. I mean, I was um, very diligent about protecting myself from from sugar because I had clearly created an idol out Mm -hmm. of food and sugar in particular. Over that time, I learned so much about our Heavenly Father and the way that He loves us and the way that He desires to fill us and the way He desires to hold us up and be our strong tower and all of those things. But it required me being honest with myself about where I had built idols and strongholds around the idols that I lost 100 pounds through that process. And it's just on my heart to teach other women that the way that we look at food and the way we respond to food is important. We as Christians are supposed to do things differently than the rest of the world. And while we as a society have made a joke about emotional eating, you know, mama needs brownies or mama needs wine, that's dangerous for us as Christians because I had stopped seeking my Lord when I needed him the most. Ooh, Satan had his hands on me. I mean, he really did. (laughs) And so... I caught, just learned so much about freedom through that time that now I can't not tell people. That's why I'm a life coach. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is so powerful. And you are speaking to so many different phases of my own life. And I would love for you to share a little bit more about what is idolatry? There's a lot of people that have, have many, many opinions about idolatry. And the simplest way that I can explain it from my personal experience in my study is that idolatry is anytime you put anything in a place where God should be. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that there's a physical something. It could be the reaction of your heart. It could be something the way that you spend your time. For some of us, our idol could be comfort. Some of us, it could be food. Some of us, it's shopping. It's just anything that you put in a place where God should be. The word worship has kind of some, you know, we had this picture of worship that, oh, that's whenever I'm singing or praising or praying, but not always. Because if you're mm-hmm. only singing or praising or, or praying 
a teeny tiny percentage of the time, that's actually not where your worship is, if that makes sense. Like so many of us worship TV. So many of us worship shopping. So many of us worship um, fame or others' opinions of us. And I personally, oh man, during this season, oh, God got a hold of me and he, and he showed me where I wanted other people to, to, to have good opinions of me. I wanted people to think I was smart and I, I was wonderful and I wanted people to like me. And if they didn't, boy, that just rocked my world. And so that was another idol I had created. I like to have things in order. I like to, to know what's happening. And so I had, I used to say I'm a control freak and God showed me that had become an idol in my life as well. That if I didn't, if my day didn't go the way I planned, it completely rocked my world. And it was like, why are you letting that shake you? If mm -hmm. the Lord is my foundation, why would my planner be, you know, it, somebody messing with my schedule, why would that rock my life? And so, I mean, so many things I had created idols out of food being the biggest, but he used that experience with food about the little bitty things that can matter to help me see other things in my life mm -hmm. every day. I, you know? Yeah, every day. <laughs> This is so powerful to me because this is something that I have been working through myself. I had no idea that I was practicing idolatry. Like I was completely oblivious. And, you know, you say that Satan got a hold of you. I've been there. So I used to compete at a national level in figure competitions, so bodybuilding competitions in the women's categories. And I would binge eat once a week for an hour until I would pass out. I would eat till the point that I passed out for one hour oh like it was it was so disgusting and so not only was I worshiping food and that one hour a week where I had total like freedom to do whatever but I was worshiping the gym I was worshiping my my food plan I was worshiping you know my body and other people I was worshiping the the coaches the programs like literally everything that had nothing to do with God. And the, one of my mentors said to me one time, if Satan can't deceive you, he will distract you. Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what he did. And he like, he had such a grip on me that I had no idea. Like I had no idea that crystals were, you know, spirit open spiritual doors. I had no idea that incense was considered idolatrous. Yeah, I had no idea that I was doing any of that stuff. And even as you're speaking, you know, you, you mentioned a few other aspects and I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, like people put social media ahead of God. They put their relationship with their partners, with their kids, with whoever ahead of God. Yeah. Our partners and our children are here, tangible living beings right in front of us. But if you don't put the Lord first, like you'll never know how to take care of them because you need to be taking care of yourself and that relationship with God that has been my revelation in the last eight weeks, eight, 10 weeks is like really getting right with God. And people are like, oh, that means getting right with yourself. Well, in order to get right with yourself, you have to get right with God. So get right with God and like drop your idolatrous ways. Like it talks about how many times is that mentioned in scripture? I need to look this up. Oh my goodness. That's a very good question. It's so interesting. You know, you're talking about taking care of our body, you know, taking care of our bodies is important. I consider my physical body, a limited resource. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get another one. And so if I don't take care of it, I'm not going to be able to do the work that God has put before me to do. And so it's important that yep. I take care of this body as a steward, 
not as a, this is my body and I can do what I want, but this is a, not just a gift, but a resource I've been given to use to do God's work on this earth. And so what's important, I take care of it, but it's so interesting. Like during this time of weight loss, I started to get excited and happy about, look at this weight coming off and, and, but then there's that temptation of making the number on the scale or the success, the, Mm -hmm. um, the idol at that point. And it's when the scale goes down, I'm happy. When the scale goes up, I'm not. And God rocked me with that too. He says, if this is about me, what do you care about that number? Mm -hmm. Now the number is excellent data. It absolutely tells me how my body's responding to certain things. And I had to get out of the mentality that that number in some way defined me. And um, because my identity is in my savior, my identity is, is written out in the Bible. My identity is only what God says about me. And so the Mm -hmm. number on the scale does not get to say who I am, but it took me a long time to let go of that. And the stewardship part, you know, taking care of my physical body, the scale is data. It's important for me to look at occasionally to see how my body's responding to certain things. I had to be very careful and I still have to be very careful every day not to let the scale become an idol. And stewardship looks different depending on the phase of your life. A couple of years ago, um, it's been about a year and a half now, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. There were been some weird things happening in my body, didn't understand what was going on. Um, Because I track, because I pay attention, we were able to get some answers. And I'm still in a season, and it's been a year and a half, but I'm still in a season of really paying attention to how my body responds to certain things. And so right now, stewarding my body is more about health and maintaining energy less about weight loss. Weight loss happens naturally whenever I get other things lined out, but I couldn't make Mm -hmm. that my focus anymore. And so really paying attention to where your mind is when we talk about the stewardship, is there an idol hiding underneath it? Because I had an idol hiding underneath it. And when I say strongholds, I had built excuses around it. Oh yeah. Like here's the idol. The idol is a healthy weight. I want, I want to lose weight. And so I built this, this stronghold of protection around the idol that, well, if I'm a healthy weight, that means I'm healthy. So that must be the priority. Or um, if I'm a healthy weight, I'll have more energy. So that has to be the priority when that wasn't the priority at all. I had to rip all those down and I have to stop listening to man's wisdom. Mm. I have to listen to the one who created me because the creator of my body will be the one to tell me what this body needs. Cause we're all different. Mm-hmm. We're all, I mean, there are many, many things that we have in common. I totally understand, you know, there's scientific, I get it, but um, there are certain people who, who can't eat certain foods because their bodies respond to them differently. And, and that's why nobody's plan looks the same. And um, we have to get outside of that. If I don't follow the plan, 100%, I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. It mm-hmm. says something about me if I don't need it 100%. And especially having had um, training in this area, you fully understand if you got oh, yeah. off plan, it, it messed with you, didn't it? Like mm-hmm. we have this mentality around the plan when that's not what, um, let's be honest. If following a plan could make us holy, why would we need Jesus? Right. I mean, the Lord sent the law. (laughs) That was the point. And so following a plan (laughs) is not what makes us loved by our heavenly father. Yes. Yes. Can you clarify for those who don't know what stewardship is? Can you elaborate on what is stewardship? Absolutely. 
many, many years ago in history, a king would have maybe taken over a territory and then he would have placed a, a lord or a steward over the territory. And the Lord's job was to make sure that the territory, one, stayed in the king's possession, and two, to make sure that that territory thrived. So he would manage things like um, agriculture and business and, and all the resources for the area in the goal of earning the king more territory and money, essentially. Now, there's the story of the, the, the parable of the talents. You know, Jesus tells the parable of the talents that, that the... Um, the, the boss is leaving and he gives three of his employees certain number of talents each according to what he saw in them. So he gave them what he thought they could handle and then they had to manage it while he was gone. And then they had to report back what they did with it. And so knowing what I know about history and that word steward and the parables, I read that we are going to answer for the way that we take care of our resources because our resources are given to us for God's purposes, not my own. And so mm -hmm. there is kingdom work to be done while I'm in this body. And if I am feeding this body Cheetos every day, all day, cause that's a temptation, not going to lie. Mm -hmm. Then I'm not capable of doing the things he puts before me. Yep. Cheetos and Netflix are not my kingdom work. I have to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, more idolatry stuff. Netflix is an idolatrous practice that a lot of people are engaged in. And, yeah. and I won't even go into, you know, the founder of Netflix, like the conspiracy side of things, like that's mm -hmm. a whole other ball of wax. <laughs> but, but this, this is so relevant in our times because I know a lot of people personally, and I, myself, I struggled with addiction to sugar and I put sugar before everything else and everyone else. Like I would go to the store to buy my groceries and I would do so good. My cart was like, you know, vegetables and fruits and lean meats and whatever. And then I would get to the checkout and they always put that bugger of a temptation at checkout. Here's the bounty bar. Here's a coffee crisp. Here's the Cadbury mini eggs. And I'm like, just focus on getting out of here. Just focus on getting out of here. Just focus on getting out of here. Next thing you know, there's like six bags of mini eggs in my cart. And I'm like, oh, put these here. I didn't oh, here. <laughs> You know, and then I'm like at the scanner and I always go through self-checkout because then nobody can judge me for what I'm buying but me, right? Like that's a thing. And, and then I get to those mini eggs and then I leave them at the register. I don't scan them in. I just leave them at the register to be put back because I'm like, no, because if I say yes to this now, when am I ever going to say no? If I always say yes to this, when will I ever be able to say no? And that is a test of faith. I really believe that that is a test of faith. And every single time something of temptation is put in front of you, something seems tempting. That is the opportunity for your faith to be tested and for you to decide whether you're going to allow yourself to be distracted and deceived, or if you're going to allow yourself to be strengthened and receive from our great Lord. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. And, you know, so many... You know, the first Corinthians chapter 10, it talks about how temptation is normal, right? That we all, you know, temptation is normal. It's common to man. And that was always very helpful to me because, you know, being a part of that recovery program and I'm hearing people talk about, they had started to bargain, right? Like I'll only use on weekends or I'll only use when it's a social, you know, social, yep. um, you know, gathering and things like that and recognizing myself in those stories. How I used to say, mm -hmm. I'll only eat sugar on weekends or I'll only eat sugar when it's, you know, card night, you know? And um, recognizing that, 
So that, that passage of temptation is common to man. You're only given temptation that you can handle and that God always provides a way out. That was always very helpful to me that this temptation is no worse than anybody else is facing right now. I got, I can, I can handle this. God's already given me a door, but later, the more, the, the, the deeper I dug into that, James actually tells us that temptation and the way that we handle temptation or those trials actually leads to growth and maturity and growth and maturity leads to blessing. And so now I I pray, Lord, help me see every temptation as a pathway to blessing because it is, mm. it is whenever we choose to respond to it in a way that he has provided, because he, he put the door, we just got to walk through it. It is a pathway to growth, maturity, and blessing. Thank you, Lord. How exciting is that? <laughs> I love that. I mean, blessings from God are so much better than brownies, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Brownies are only a temporary satisfaction in the moment, whereas the blessings from God are immeasurable and always. Absolutely. Always. Oh my gosh. I like, this is just seriously touching my heart. So, okay. Let's talk a little bit more about addiction because we know that sugar is as addicting, if not more addicting than crack cocaine. Numerous yeah. studies have talked about this. They have ousted sugar. Sugar was introduced into our diet as another way to make people sick. As far as I'm concerned, mm -hmm. sugar and, you know, certain types of wheat that used to be, you know, natural 12 strain DNA now has 64 strains of DNA. So it's mm -hmm. this resistant, that resistant. There's a reason why celiac began to be a thing in the 2000s because our food was no longer in its natural state. Sugar is not a natural product. It is a byproduct of something else. It is man made. So can mm -hmm. we talk a little bit more about addictions and sugar and the recovery program that you're a part of? Sure. Um, I remember sitting in that recovery program thinking that can't be me. Food is legal. Food is legal. Well, just because it's legal doesn't mean it's good for me. I mean, how many times do we find that in the Bible? Food is legal. It's not, it's not bad. It can't be bad. It's legal. I mean, I go to church and they serve it to me on a silver platter. I mean, have you ever been to a fellowship dinner or potluck? They literally will serve you the food. Did you try this? Did you try this? Did you try this? Mm -hmm. As a way of showing love to one another. And so I remember fighting that idea that I'm not addicted. I'm not addicted. I, however, did used to pray, Lord, let there be something medically wrong with me. So I have a reason to eat this way. I prayed that God would actually make me sick. So I had a reason to eat like that because I wanted to, to, to continue horrible, horrible things. And oh so like that whole thing just snowballed until he finally showed me, yes, honey, you got a problem. Um, so seeing myself in the stories that, that the other attendees were sharing, you know, I'll only use on weekends. I'll only use, um, when it's a social gathering, I'll, I'll do this, but never this. And that this always came. Right. Mm -hmm. And finally admitting that that's where I was. I was addicted to this little tiny thing that I personally continued to feed myself. I personally, I kept doing it. It's not like somebody was tying me down. And, um, that was really, really hard to admit. And so the only solution that I saw and what I felt led to do through the Holy spirit was complete and total, um, cold Turkey just stopped. And the first couple of days are easy. They're not hard. I got this. I got this because the first couple of days we can do in our human willpower, mm -hmm. but human willpower has an end. And so about day five, 
six, seven, eight, nine. It was about day 10 to 14 when things started to get easier. But I, re I remember it was day five or six and I was just snapping at everybody. At the time, all of our kids lived at home. And so they're like, what is wrong with mom? I'm like, what do you mean what's wrong with mom? <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> so, and then it hit me. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And, and when my, my daughter said, for what? And I said, this is a sugar thing. I'm so sorry. Like my mood changed. I was definitely going through withdrawal. I was very, very irritable. I was tired. Um, I felt hungry, but as part of my cold turkey thing, I had set a specific plan for myself so that I knew that I wouldn't binge and go overboard. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was fighting all of that. Like I had specific times I would eat, specific things that I would eat and no snacking other than what was on the plan because I knew that I needed those very specific guardrails. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just bawled and squalled and I'm so sorry. This, this is about me and something that's happening internally. You guys, please forgive me. I can't promise that I won't be like this tomorrow because I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And um, it took several days to get over that. But once I did, um, once I get past that first, you know, 10 to 14 days, things started to get easier but I won't say they were easy. Um, there was definitely still the pull, definitely still the pull. And whenever you're really paying attention to the labels on your food, you start to realize sugars in everything, like everything. Mm -hmm. It is insane. We add sugar to, to, to chicken broth. Why? Like yep. it's in everything. And so had to be very, very careful with everything we bought pretty well had to make everything from scratch, which is, which is good actually. And what I learned was I felt better physically and emotionally, and I still feel better physically and emotionally when I eat food that is as close to what God put on this earth as possible. Like you mentioned, things have changed and, um, an apple today is not the same as an apple 50 years ago, not the same as an apple a hundred years ago. And, um, there are certain things that I, I can't really eat because it changes the way I think. And as weird as that sounds, my emotions and my brain change. And I'm trying to remember where the passage is. It might also be in James where he talks about um, be sober minded and alert. Mm -hmm. I, you know, some people, you know, they, they kind of use that as the, um, or that as, as well as other things that, that word sober, to go specifically towards alcohol, I'm like, oh no, I fully believe that's anything that numbs you, anything that makes you not fully engaged into the mission that the Lord has put on this earth for us, because we have a mission. Those of us who are saved by Jesus Christ, we are ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven on this earth. And so I have to be alert and I have to stay sober-minded, which is why I can't do, you know, Netflix and Cheetos all day. As mm -hmm. a matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago, I was feeling very convicted of the time that I was spending, maybe not so much the time, but the things that I was allowing in my brain. And I, um, I don't watch a whole lot of TV other than just my husband and I will watch some together each day. And I said, we, we've got to watch what we're watching because I want to just sit and watch TV till one o'clock in the morning. And that is not good because then I'm no longer sober-minded and alert. And then I start getting snarky and then I start being sarcastic and I stop seeing people the way that God sees them. And I start judging others and it always leads to something else. My default setting is to be very hateful and judgy. 
but it just because it's my default setting doesn't mean that's the way I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I was struck this morning by the story of the, the man who came to Jesus and, and his child was sick. And he said, if you believe your child will be healed. And he said, I believe Lord help my unbelief. And I love that because he did have faith. He did believe, but he also knew that we as humans, we doubt it is our human nature to doubt. Mm -hmm. And so we know the Bible tells us that faith actually comes from the Lord. And I love that. He said, I believe, but help where I don't help my unbelief. Cause I think that that's a I could just ramble about that all day long. So anyway, <laughs> even, even Jesus, when he was on the cross, he had a shred of doubt mm-hmm. when he cried out, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? Because it's scripture tells us that God will never leave or forsake us. And even mm-hmm. Jesus, like the perfect man, mm-hmm. the, the incarnation of God in the flesh, like God in the flesh, even he had that shred of man doubt, like that doubt within him. Yeah. You know, and it's so interesting when you talk about Jesus going to the cross so many times when it, when it, you know, Christian life, whether it be taking care of your physical body or something else, I don't feel like it. How often do we say that? I just don't feel like reading my Bible or going to church. I don't feel like being nice to that person. I don't feel like reaching out to that woman that I haven't talked to in a long time, but she's been on my heart. I don't feel like reaching out to her. And if you look at the garden, Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. He said, if there's any other way, Lord, any other way, but I'll go. If this is your will, I'll do it. But if there's any other way, please allow it. Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross for me, but he did. And Mm -hmm. so we have a mission. We have a mission. And so I had been self-medicating. I had been what I want when I want as much as I want, even when it made me sick. I, I do eat sugar sometimes now. I do because that I'm free of that. I had been chained by sugar. I had been chained by food and it's still a tendency. It's still a temptation. But when I stay in my Bible, when I abide in the word, when I stay in prayer, that's one of my prayers. Lord, show me anytime I'm starting to submit myself to something that is not you because I want to be a slave to righteousness, not something that's on this earth. Uh Um, and and I use this as a, you know, with my clients, when they talk about, it's just so hard to say, no, it's just so hard to stop. Like, because my default setting is anger and judgment and snarkiness, like that's my human tendency. I would lie to you. If I said that I never imagined running something over with my minivan, whenever they did something on the road that (laughs) (laughs) you're human. Yeah. So like, you know, sometimes I just, you know, road rage makes me want to just plow that person over, but I don't because it's not the right thing to do. And so if I, the same self-control that comes from the Holy spirit, that same self-control I can use on my fork, that same self-control that keeps me from running over somebody in a parking lot. I can use to not put that fork in my mouth. Mm -hmm. And not take that extra helping of dessert to not mm-hmm. go into the cupboard snacking after whatever time to not eat yeah. three meals back to back because you think you're hungry. Yes. Yes. That's well, me and, speaking and- from my experience. <laughs> <laughs> my husband says I have the appetite of a 300 pound man and he is not kidding. I like the amount of food that I can consume and still not feel full is like, it's, uncanny like there's definitely a disconnect going on there so 
I actually, I probably shouldn't rely on him as much as I do, but on occasion, I will rely on him to like, I like, and I will say out loud, like, I still feel hungry. And he's like, you just ate this, this, and this drink a glass of water, have a cup of tea and like, wait 20 minutes Mm -hmm. and see if you're still hungry. Because like, he knows that I'm an emotional eater, much like you, you yourself were. Yes, Um, absolutely. This is this is so common in our society. It's so prevalent in our society. A lot of people medicate with drugs. They medicate with alcohol. They medicate with the gym, which is what I, I medicated with the gym and then with food. So if I would overeat or I would binge eat, I would go and punish myself in the gym with like a four hour grueling workout, which is like, that's more damaging than just, you know, whatever I was eating kind of thing, like all of the shame and all of the guilt and everything that was compounded into that workout. I was literally reinforcing all the negative thought neuropathways, all of the negative emotion uh, that I was experiencing. And I was pumping that physically into my body via the food and the exercises Mm -hmm. that I was doing. Like I was basically destroying my entire system because of whatever I was trying to avoid. I still don't even know what I was trying to avoid, (laughs) but I can tell you one of the biggest revelations that I have had about my hunger was my hunger for God, my hunger for the word. And when I realized that, that the reason why I continued to stuff my face was not be, it's not because I'm physically hungry. It's because I was spiritually starving. Yes. I spiritually starved for 22 years, Mm -hmm. 22 years. No wonder I got a ravenous appetite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and that's such a wonderful point. Like God, the, the reason that humans are so prone to addiction, whatever the addiction may look like in each individual person, my personal belief, and I don't have any science to back this up, but I believe that the reason we are so prone to addiction is because we were all built and designed with a God-shaped hole. Yep. And we keep trying to throw man-made crap into that hole and it will never, ever fill us. Never, ever will anything but God fill that hole. And whenever I finally, like I, it hit me there is nothing wrong with me other than just being human and living on a broken world and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with me as an individual because I am simply responding in an unhealthy manner to, to a need that God built in me. He built the need in me for him. I'm supposed to seek him and I will never feel fulfilled until I allow him to fill the God-sized, God-shaped hole. And that was so powerful for me because I went from all this shame. I, there's got to be something wrong with me. I am broken more than the average human. I am horrible. And, and this was after I was saved. I was a Christian thinking these things, knowing that my Bible says there is no, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, knowing that my Bible said that and not believing it at all because mm-hmm. I felt broken. I let my emotions And I let Satan whisper to me, there's something wrong with you. Oh yeah. You know, and that dirty bugger will do that. Oh man. He is a bugger. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real bugger. I can tell you, like, I cannot count in my lifetime, how many times I have been deceived and how many ways I've been deceived. Mm -hmm. And I still am going through the process of unlearning and changing direction from places that I was 
deceived or distracted or allowing myself to be vulnerable to the dark spirits like that's like going to be a whole other episode (laughs) (laughs) that's going to be a whole uh, I'm going to have to do like a whole segment on all of the ways (laughs) that we are deceived and for those who are listening I just want to follow up so I did a quick search and this I found 41 verses in the scripture about idolatry and I there's a there's a scripture in mind that comes to me all of the time and it says I can't remember where it is exactly in scripture but it says there will come a time where God's people will fall away from Christ to follow false prophets and I can tell you from my own experience how many false prophets I have followed the reason why I was so hungry the reason why I was so spiritually starved is because I had allowed myself to be deceived I had allowed the people of the church that I attended as a child to convince me that I wasn't welcome there that I wasn't good enough to participate in the church I wasn't good enough to invite to their events and I'm not speaking this from an emotional victim state I'm speaking this from a place of empowerment because I recognize it And I realized that I allowed myself to be deceived by other people's actions rather than showing up to church for God. That was the, the, that was the ultimate deception at that tender age for me. And the more I recognized that, the more I realized, wow, like I literally followed yoga. I followed meditation. I followed energy healing. I followed like all kinds of weird occult stuff. And you can look it up and look up the list of like occult satanic idolatrous practices all of these things are there when scripture talks about meditating it doesn't mean sitting there trying to achieve an enlightened state of consciousness or any of that stuff it's not asking you to access anything you actually look up the root word behind meditation it means to muse and to contemplate the word of god that's what it means kat i love that you shared you know your heartfelt story about this because Sugar is a nasty little thing. It is so nasty. And you are not wrong. It is literally in everything. Like, like it's hard to find food. If, if it comes in a bag or a box, it's probably got sugar in it. And if it's not on the label, it still can be snuck in there somehow. And they try and give it fancy names. Glucose, fructose. Dextrose. Dextrose. Yeah. All the, if it all ends the, in dose. Yeah. Yeah. And all of the, now the sugar alcohols. Yes. Can we just for a minute talk about sugar alcohols? Those things trick your body into thinking that it's getting sugar. There's a reason why you may have, you know, a distended abdomen after you eat that stuff, or you may feel a little gassy or bloaty because it's tricking your body. It's fake food. It's not real food. It's not what God created. That's right. That's right. Okay. Tangent over. (laughs) (laughs) Tangent over. (laughs) Yeah, this honestly, Kat, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And I would love to ask as we close this call, do you have any final words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners today? There's two points of encouragement that I remember leaning on and I still seek when I'm feeling down, you know, in those moments where I used to have made a pizza and brownies and and binged. One was the Psalms seeing how um, David responded to 
the turmoil and the pain in his life, and, and not all of them are written by David, but you know what I mean, seeing great examples of still worshiping the Lord through pain was so good for me. And um, there's constant reminders in there that the word of the Lord and the spirit of the Lord and the presence of the Lord is what we need in those moments. And so I just really encourage you, one, if you are struggling and you're trying not to turn to food, Psalms, um, in particular, Psalm 119, I really, really loved. And um, so you can turn to that. The second thing is I was really encouraged by the, the letters in the New Testament. So you're looking at letters that are written to churches, you know, a generation maybe after Jesus had lived and died and resurrected. These are people who know people who knew Jesus and they still behaved like a crazy hot mess. Like these churches are full of um, practicing um, idolatry in ways that were legitimate with actual physical items or just behaviors. People who had forgotten the truth of Jesus. And so anytime you feel like I'm a Christian, I should know better. Because how many times have I said that to myself? So many, I'm a Christian, I should know better. Mm -hmm. I, I was encouraged by the letters that these are Christians and they know better and they still needed admonishment. They still needed teaching. And so as long as I am in this physical body, I'm going to need reminders from my heavenly father. And thankfully we have those. So um, the coolest part is that we do have access to the Holy Spirit, which means that self-control is available to us when we abide in his word. Oh, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing, Kat. And how can people get a hold of you? How can they connect with you? Um, you can find me at my website, catsharp.com. It's cat with a C. So it's catsharp.com. Or you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at catsharpcoaching. Yes. It has been so much fun talking with you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. It has been my absolute pleasure to have you here. And until next time, Kat. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Mm -hmm.